0: back to the show. I'm your host, Hayden Oakley, and this is the Alt Ego Podcast. Uh, today, I was speaking with Mikey from The Gloom of the Corner. He's the front man for the, I think now, their four-piece? Uh, it, it changes. <laughs> Metalcore outfit. Um, really cool concept band. Uh, so, this is part one of two. There's two parts to this one. We ended up having a really long chat, but part one is all about mikey's early days and we talk a lot about uh where he comes from musically what his background's like in his early bands and a little bit of controversy pretty spicy uh be sure to check out part two as well but uh here's my chat with mikey from the gloom in the corner hey mikey thanks for coming on uh welcome to the pod how are you going man yeah not too bad yeah not too bad how are you how are you finding iso and everything oh you know it's you know same old garbage i Uh, make my days fulfilled by rolling from one side of the bed to the other and pretending like that was progress. But, you know, life goes on.
1: uh, Polaris said it best, this isn't progress. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) We're 20 seconds in and I'm already making shit jokes.
0: (laughs) Oh, God, don't worry. It's only downhill from here. So... I really wanted to um, have a chat with you because you've got a pretty interesting history uh, with, uh, you know, being involved in creative projects. Uh, you've done some solo stuff. You've obviously got your band, which is uh, The Gloom in the Corner. Um, and you've also been doing production and you had some old bands as well. So let's kind of go straight to the start um, of your entire, like, artistic career. Um, and, you know, whenabouts did you first kind of... Uh, Look into creative fields as an outlet for you personally. How old are, How old were you?
1: That's a good question. Um, I reckon, yeah, because I reckon I started picking up the guitar when I was about 10. So that's 13 years ago now. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I've always been like a fairly creative person, whether it be actual music or just story writing or just... I don't know, really, kind of anything. I think I've always had that kind of creative outlet, but I guess I kind of honed it in with music when I was probably about 12, I want to say. Yeah, because I reckon I had, like, I don't, when I started learning guitar and everything through my guitar teacher at the time, um, we. Was oh, that had, a school? No, no, no. It was an outside source, it wasn't in school. I remember, like, Because I think mum at that point knew that I'd wanted... Mum or dad had knew that I wanted to pick up the guitar. And I think they took a recommendation from somebody. Um, So, where I used to have lessons before uh, Peter, my old guitar teacher, um, started working from home, was he used to have... Like, there used to be like a music school kind of thing um, just across the road from Scotch College, if you know where Scotch is. So, there's like this... Yeah. So, like where the... Tram line runs up next to Scotch. There's this big old church, kind of a, sorry, not big. This small little church across the road from it, and they used to mm. have like, um, like a bit of a music school there that would run every, I think pretty much every day, but like I only took lessons on like Monday and Wednesday or some shit like that. So, I reckon yeah, like, I we started playing in bands and etc. around, or I started playing in bands quote unquote around then, but it wasn't anything, like, super, super serious. Um, I remember, as well, in, when I was in year six, I also started a band at the primary school that I went to. Um, and if you dig deep enough on the internet, or if I've linked <laughs> you to it before, um, we actually remade... Uh, the "I'm Not Okay" music video by My Chemical Romance, and it's so so bad. Like it at is, age twelve, at age twelve, yeah, and it was oh, so, so so sick. bad. Got on it early, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was. Uh, sorry, no. Let me, let me rephrase. It wasn't bad. It was like it's bad objectively, but it wasn't like for a twelve-year-old who just had like a school camera or some shit like that, or a really shitty digital camera. I thought it actually came out pretty well. And it well, was, that's
0: you know, you know, that's actually kind of really cool though, because like. I remember when I was 12, like, I wouldn't have had the inclination to just go, Oh, I can just pick up a camera and, and like record this and like I can, I can make something. Like, that, that's a very intentional process of going, Yeah, cool, we're doing shit and it's fun or whatever, but making that like conscious decision to go, Nah, I'm going to like capture this and try and frame it in a way that I can share with other people. And I think that's something really cool.
1: Yeah. I think what, the reason why I did it as well is because our drummer, who was one of the teachers at school, he was a ska drummer, so he got me into a whole heap of, like, like onto the jazz side of things and that kind of aspect when I was, like, 12. Um, He was actually leaving um, at at the end of the year, as well as, like, all of us year sixes, and I think I kind of made it for him as well, off the top of my head, like, Part of me, like, half of it was me really wanting to be Mikem, and the other half of it was I wanted to make it for him, just so he actually has something to remember us at school by, back in um, Campbell South. So, yeah, because he was moving home to Boston, I think, because he was a Boston boy. Um, That's really cool. So, yeah, I think that's also partially why we made it, but yeah. Um, yeah, Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, from... Yeah, sorry, go on. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry. Um, So,
0: you said, you know, you kind of got onto uh, doing guitar lessons when you were about 10 um, because your mum or your dad, you know, kind of picked up that you were kind of into the idea of that. What inspired that? What inspired you to be like, yeah, I want to learn how to play guitar? Like, what did you see that made you think that?
1: Um, I actually... Yeah, I think... Yeah, okay. So original like originally i was very much into like i i think i was always drawn to the guitar um just as an instrument just from like you know seeing rock and roll bands and etc like when i was 8 the first cd that my dad bought me was american idiot by green day um and then oh, yeah. from there it was uh fall out boys infinity on high so i think it was just me kind of like being uh adhd is shit and jumping around my room and pretending to be this and this and this and i think eventually i just went actually i kind of want to start learning guitar because it's gonna it seems like a yeah. really cool thing to have or a really cool thing to do um yeah. and then when i did start learning guitar it was all classical stuff and i was like this is shit house. um <laughs> yeah, spit that out yeah yeah um and then, like a couple of years later, when like I think at that point, like even though I'd started learning, I start like because I just had I was super ADHD as a kid. I started losing interest in it really quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I think from there, I like picked up Guitar Hero three as like an Xbox game, and I think oh, that kind of yeah. yeah, and that kind of re energized it a little bit in me. And I said to dad later that year that I wanted to get an electric guitar, and that was... And then from there, like, I pretty much just went on. And I think that was around when I was 11 or 12, and that was when I really, really got into my chem and et because I just got a copy of The Black Parade after my mate showed me a few songs from them. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, from there, like, Frank Eero, like Frank Ero, especially, as a rhythm guitarist, um, made me really want to take up the guitar properly and just be, like, that whole rock star kind of image to mm. a certain degree. And I think With that's all that what, style. Yeah, and as well as just like, you know, learning from guitarists like um, Kirk Hammett from Metallica and even uh, Herman Lee from Dragon Force, like watching them play, I think that really inspired me to, you know, nut down on my actual playing at the time. Um, and then on top of that, like watching Frank Eero perform and etc. just from old Mike M videos and shit made me want to have that kind of rock star outlet as well like I could just go crazy on stage kind of thing but yeah I think that's yeah, yeah I think that's where it really kind of picked up Yeah
0: so it was always like music centric uh, for you and and you kind of you know built yourselves up uh, built yourself up these you know almost idols that were people that you kind of like looked to as like inspiration um, in the in your, like early family life you know was there much musical influence like you got musician family members
1: outside of yourself so what, what was that like? Well, funnily enough, I didn't actually find this out till recently, but well, so when I say recently, I found out a few years ago, but I didn't know like to the extent um until recently, but my uncle Andrew um was in a band called the Models, who were a very, very, very big eighties band, and he was in another band after that as well, but I can't remember their name um and they used to do like Europe tours and everything like that, so like they were a really big, big time like. Um, 80s band, like if you go, if you went to the ACMA Museum in uh, WEC, uh when the um NVG had that exhibition, you could actually go into like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing that they had there and you could see Andrew on the wall and you can point him out in the little <laughs> videos and stuff like that. So, yeah, I um, had no idea until I like, had like no idea. after. I had no idea, like, he he taught at RMIT and he took one of my classes at RMIT when I did sound production. And then when I, once I actually talked to him quite a bit about it, like throughout those periods, that was when I realised to the extent like how big of a musician he actually was, and I completely forgot this until somebody brought it up to me the other day, and I found out that um, my cousin—sorry, I shouldn't say—I shouldn't say Uncle Andrew is actually second cousin removed, but um, yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those He's older, it, he's related. Yeah, he's <laughs> older, he's related. I just call him Uncle Andrew. Um, he actually wrote the round of the twist theme song. Oh holy shit! Yeah, that's so sick. And my cousin fucking like, put it in his Tinder bio, <laughs> dude. That that's literally a
0: piece of like Australian culture. You've got a direct tie to probably mm-hmm. one of the most influential pieces of Australian media, media from the last twenty years. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Like, and it was so weird because like I think I brought it up to dad, and he was like, "What's around the twist?" And I'm like, "Get fucked, can't." Like, <laughs> I'm like, "Bro, what you do you mean?" So uncultured. Yeah. Um. <laughs> As far oh, yeah. as like actual direct family members go, mum was mm. mum was very like she was into theatre production and stuff like that when she was about my age now, if not a little bit younger. So she had that when she was growing up. Um, and then my the original Michael Duffield, um, sorry, my granddad, he was an actor. He was an Australian and British actor. That I mean, I. For for nowadays standards, you probably wouldn't be able to pick him out of anything. Um, he was in a few Australian movies, and he was in like quite a few Australian TV shows from like the sixties and seventies. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a, yeah. But as far as like the actual musical stuff goes, I would like to push on the barrier that I probably just developed most of it myself. But you came from like a
0: home that had like an already like an arts influenced culture. So I'm going to guess that like their responses to you doing anything artistic was always pretty positive. I'm going to guess like supportive.
1: Yeah, pretty positive. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. awesome, They've always been super positive um, and they've always been super supportive of my weird decisions that I decided to make career-wise, whether it be music or et cetera. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean,
0: look, it's working out so far. I mean, you know, you, you are, crossed. you know, <laughs> 20, 23, and you haven't yet succumbed to, you know, the usual meth, heroin addictions that, you know, that seem to land with yet. these creative types. So You're on your way. You're on your way. You'll get yeah, there one,
1: one day, son. <laughs> uh, I like a bit of crack in the morning. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. <laughs> But I think like as well like as on top of that like my dad was really really into classical music as well. So he used to play it just mm. all the time and he used to play like movie soundtracks and shit like that all the time. And I think mm. one of like one of my earliest memories if not my first memory was when I was like 6 months old and my dad sitting me down in front of the TV and playing the opening theme to Good the Bad and the Ugly by Ennio Morricone. Hell yeah. Yeah. That was like yeah, 6 month old me was just What is going on? But yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: Downloading artistic uh, interpretation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah. For the most part, yeah, I've always come from a pretty creative or eccentric family. Um,
0: Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, at around age 12, you started to really get into music uh, as being like, you know, one of your key outlets. And what was like, I don't know, I guess like the first... Uh you said you had that first band, which was was just I'm guessing like covers and stuff and just jamming,
1: yeah, it was uh yeah, so from once once my guitar teacher left uh the music school and started doing lessons privately um he had he still had like a whole kind of clique of students that came together to do certain things, um and so that was technically our band, and we just play like really, really old covers or just sit around and jam for the most part it was sitting around and sitting around and jamming. Um, I think the, yeah, I think realistically the two most notable songs that I think that we did would probably be, uh, House of the Rising Sun, um, yeah, absolute classic, I still love that fucking song, um, and, uh, fuck, what's that Jimi Hendrix song? Hey, fucking, wow, this is terrible, um, Hey dudes, the Beatles, but it's the other one. Um. I know, I know what you talk about, and I'm also blanking. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like trying shit. to help you, out here, but
0: I'm just like, nah, I ain't got nothing. Oh fuck! I
1: like, I know how to Mom, play it. Jamie, perfectly you pull that up? Pure muscle memory at this. Uh, where's my phone? Uh, dead air. Shit, hold on, Jimmy. Kendrick, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hey. Hey Joe. hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. That was it. Oh. oh. I said, I'm thinking of Hey, Jude, and I'm like, no, that's not it. So there you go. Yeah, Hey, Joe uh, was the other two songs. And aside from that, like, I could really just jam. But as far as, like, actually playing stuff that I wanted to play, I didn't actually do that till about yeah. high school, and I got a couple of friends from primary school to join me, um, and one of my other mates who was a really, really talented drummer, but we put him on vocals because he wanted to do vocals, Um to, uh yeah, to just kind of like, like we wrote originals and stuff like that as well. But we also did a quite a few cool. color, was covers. Was this like year seven? Um, yeah, I think that lasted from about year seven to year nine. And I think we played probably two or three shows in that time frame, and they'll probably like Battle of the cool. beat and stuff. And we went through so many name changes. <laughs> like, give me it some, give me some taste. Like, of it, yeah, it,
0: obviously. Terrible band names. I need to know.
1: Uh, Infectionate, Infectionate was one of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh... Shit. Infectionate's Dude. the only one I remember because I remember that being like, actually, that one's not too it's bad. It's kind of sick. Um, like, I'm just thinking
0: that like in a deathcore font, it's like, mm, maybe it could actually go.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, full, I think we did it in like full prototype font or something like <laughs> yeah. that, like the video yeah, game dude. prototype.
0: Dude, um, I forgot fuck, that game existed. That? Holy shit. <laughs> oh, I fucking love that game. Man. That's so good.
1: It's so, like, it needs a 100%. Need to, they need it, to bring that back. But um, that's cool. Remember. So, how many people were in that band? Yeah. Um, at first, it was four of us. It was kind of like a revolving door of mates um, yeah, kind of deal? Yeah, at it was deal? four of us. No, no, no. There was like a select like four of us. Like we were all like we didn't have any lineup changes or anything like that at all. Um, take notes, Nubbin. Yeah, we were stuck on... <laughs> we were stuck on... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's because we had nothing better to do. And like we, we weren't take, like we weren't taking it super seriously or anything either, I don't think. Maybe I was taking a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're cutting people, your teeth, like, you know. You're learning, learning how to be in a band. So,
1: yeah. But as far as like actually operating as like a band, like we were, just, we didn't do any of that. Like nothing to the extent of what like Gloom did or anything like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but like you learned like how to have that relationship and how to you know like work with people on ideas and like you started writing songs. So that's definitely like a really important, I guess, first step in developing, you know, your artistic preferences um and oh yeah yeah you know like what and starting to figure out what you actually want as a creative mind I'm, I'm gonna guess like you know there was there was gonna be times that you had like disagreements and stuff like that and that's you know definitely gonna play into you know how you develop as a collaborator and into the future and it kind of makes sense moving forward as well you know I mean, I'm just going to jump ahead real quick because I know that you write mm, yeah, for so a lot of, of the projects that you do almost exclusively. So um, was any of that... Almost. Yeah, almost. I mean, for the most part, you kind of come with the the ideas and then the the guys help you flesh it out. But was that always something that you had early on as well or did you develop that?
1: Yeah, I think from that first band, like the one that I had, for, we'll, we'll call them Infectionate for now because mm. I can't... I'm affectionate about Infectionate.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I should have seen that
1: one coming. Um, I think, like, from there, like, I was always writing and nobody else really chipped in anything because nobody really had the creative input to mm. Um I think the bassist would input stuff occasionally and he would... I think he helped write the majority of, like, one song. Um, but that was about the extent of it. And I wrote, like, six or seven songs for that band. Well, sorry, I wrote definitely a lot more than that. But of the six or seven... like, But we played six or seven. Um, so we had a whole EP's worth of songs, which were not great. Um, but for the time, like, we loved our shit. We loved yeah. doing it. Um but yeah, I think at the end of the day, like a lot of it did mainly come back to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So you kind of like
0: had that kind of instilled out of I'm guessing going to say out like out of a sense of necessity. seeing as, like you were kind of just like, well, no one else come with ideas. I guess I'm going to bring some ideas out to the table, kind of yep. thing. And that kind of fostered your, I know. Um, I guess uh, what's that word for when you're the person starting stuff off? Um, Man,
1: great podcast, Birth. I see. You. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Hang on, this is your first, you're doing pretty well, this is your first one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I haven't done a pod before yeah, this. You're doing fuck- yeah, you're doing fucking awesome then.
0: Yeah, Hang well, I, 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 um, I should do, I'll listen to fucking enough of
1: them, eh? Um, yeah, no, I know that, what, yeah, like, when it comes into fruition.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so, from yeah. here anyway, moving on, um, you had this band till about, like, year nine, what was, like, the next, uh, the next thing that came up for you?
1: So, um, I had, the next band that I had was a band called Attack at Greenwood. <laughs> um, yeah, you knew this was coming, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you prick. Man, yeah, those um, promo <laughs> I, I just
0: need to say, before we jump into, those, into this, the promo photos <laughs> are just, mm, yeah, okay, you can still find those on the internet, boys, just keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, you definitely can. I'm not taking them down. They're
1: awesome. <laughs> um, I, actually, I had a lot of fun with that band, but that was very, like, at the time, that was me moving out of, like... Uh, stuff like, like in, in Infectionate, like I used to love playing stuff that was like, uh, built for my Valentine and etc. Yeah. Um, and then Attack of Greenwood was me, so, me more so moving into like, um, Attack, Attack, uh, of Mice and Men. Um, the good stuff. Like a lot of, yeah, the good stuff. Like, mm. the, real, like the well-rounded metalcore. Yeah. Which by today's standards probably hasn't aged well, but we'll still have some. It's coming, back. There. it's
0: coming back. It's coming back. It's
1: coming back. Um, and so I was in that band for, for, yeah, I must've, I I gotta say like from late year nine to year, like, yeah, late year nine, all the way through to the start of year 12. So I was in that band for a while. Um, and that band started with, um, me on guitar and clean vocals. And one of my other mates, I can't remember how I met the vocalist, um, And one of uh, my other, other mates, um, sorry, the drummer knew like a couple of people. And then one of my family friends joined as well on bass. And that was like the first kind of band that we somewhat took seriously. And by Mm. that, I mean like going and recording our shit properly with CV. Yeah. Um, all those years ago when he was still in her, no, not Hurstbridge. It was before that. Oh, before Um, Hurstbridge. Fuck. Yeah. It was before Hurstbridge. Um, so, yeah, like he, yeah, we recorded with him and we did, like, a couple of songs. What and was the cetera. name of the studio back then? It had a funky name. Per- yeah, Perception, right? Yeah, I don't right? remember. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Perception or something like that. Yeah. So, it was a really, really long time ago, like, 20, yeah, 2013, 2012 kind of area. Um, and from there, we actually, we did some decent shows from memory. Like, we played a few Battle of the Bands. One of them was with Storm the Sky. Um we played a couple at The Castle in Dandenong um, before that stopped running community shows and everything. Mm. Um, we, played a, we played a show with Ival when Porter was still in the band. Fucking we on. played a show with Elegist, if, if, you know who, if you don't know who Elegist are, if you know who Teeth from Sydney are, that's Blake's old band um, who were fucking awesome. Like I remember watching... I've said this to Blake. Um, I remember watching him when I was like... Fourteen, fifteen, and watching him just fucking tear it up on vocals, being like, the front man that I want to be with that kind of voice, it's, it's that dude. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah, I think even... No, did Ocean Grove play that show? No. But, yeah, like, so. sorry, from there, like, we took things a lot more seriously, but we also had a lot more internal problems as well. Um, like, I... Because of that, like, I I think what I've kind of stemmed it down to is because of the last band where I primarily wrote everything and everyone was cool to just go along with it, this band we started adapting and writing more as a group. And the more and more as I, like, I'll do the skeletons of the songs and then people would come in, edit them, make changes, that kind of thing, like, very much more in depth than I think what even we've done with Gloom or at least, Mm. like, in a different kind of sphere of things compared to Gloom. And as we went on and on and on and on, um... I became super like controlling about it because it was, they started changing stuff that I really, really, really didn't want to change. Mm. Um, and then after that first EP that they did, um, which didn't even get released before I left, um, I left and I started the next project after that, which was an even bigger <laughs> star. So I don't know if you <laughs> want to go on to that one or. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> just, just finish up
0: on this band real quick and I've got a couple other questions yeah, of I want to ask.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I mean, like, for the most part, like, it was a lot of fun because, for, mm, yeah, I mean, definitely ninety percent of the time at the start, less percentage in that towards the end. Um, we were all really good friends. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't handle my exit supremely well. As said, one of my, uh, one of the band members was like a family friend. So my mum's best friend, it's her son. Yeah, and. I haven't spoken to him since. Ooh, um, spicy. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, I always ask, like, I, like whenever I do see mum's friend, like I always say, like, oh, he has such and such going and et cetera. Um, and they're always like, yeah, well, just chill, just chilling, doing this yeah. or doing that. Um, well, I guess that's, that kind of comes yeah. to the
0: territory of being like, you know, not even 18 years old yet. You don't really have that like solid grasp over your emotions to go like, oh, wait, no. Like these people are involved in my life outside of just like this one small aspect. And it's like, you know, I think we've all had that moment where we've blown up with someone and, um, you know, we don't really talk to them anymore, even though it was like in a time when we were just like kids or whatever. But it's like, it's still, it's still uncomfortable to just be like, hey, man, I was like a dick when I was 14. You want to be friends though? Like no one, no one has that chat.
1: And like, I really do regret that as well because we had like not like not even from just a band perspective like we got lot, like, as I said we all got along fairly well except for the vocalist I'm not going to go into that territory yeah um but like yeah so like we had a lot of really fun shows like as said like we played with Storm the Sky we mm. played with like Ival before like it was just and when at that Blackson time dropped. at that
0: time those yeah. bands were like kind of popping as well so yeah that been really we even cool. played
1: in a boxing ring at some stage. Because like my mate's dad just put on a show and we played in a literal boxing ring and that's I reckon sick. that's still one of the most fun shows I've ever played. Hell yeah, that was that's sick. sick. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'd be scared doing that nowadays. I like fucking Paul in there with you guys, man. He just he fucking tees <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking spin um, those
1: bases across your necks. Fucking oath can't. But yeah, um, I'm not sure really. Oh yeah, so. After I left that band, like I think they were still going for a little bit. They rebranded mm. under um Terrarium. So oh, if right. there's anybody yeah. So if there's anybody who's kind of semi old in the scene, they may remember to or they may not remember Terrarium coming up. Um but from what I kind of saw and from I only just remember that being around for a minute. Yeah, like they no, they were around for like a decent amount of time after they dropped that new EP without me in it. They just had a lot of member issues, from my understanding, and it um. was there was one member who was particularly more narcissistic than I was, um, and he was the reason why I left the band initially, and apparently because of him they had a few more problems. But could you say I'm that I'm he is
0: narcissistic to. to the bone? <laughs> 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 I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> No, he just had like he just had a suit like he just had a super like old school rock star attitude. which yeah. I just didn't vibe with at the time. Yeah, nice. No, um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's like that now, but um, yeah, apparently that's what led to like quite a few number of ne- member issues. Like the dude that joined after me was quite uh, there was a quite a big age difference as well. Yeah. Um, and I think he only stuck around for a little bit because of reason X, reason Y. I actually can't remember off the top of my head. And then they mm. got um. A new dude who I now think is playing in the motion below oh um, oh yeah. yeah I um yeah so, that's funny that you mentioned that because uh the
0: last pod that I did was with Tom from motion below, so that's that's kind of funny
1: oh, true <laughs> okay, true um, oh yeah that's cool, so I, well, yeah. I want to um ask
0: yeah. a couple of quick questions because so this was like your first proper band, um you know, in that first uh that first band you did with, in high school, like the first one you were writing songs and stuff, you played a couple like. Um, a couple of shows like, like Battle of the Bands or whatever now this, this first proper band Attack of the Greenwood so people the idea of this pod is I want to kind of like help people understand how this whole process works if they have no idea how it works so how did you guys yeah, go sure, about like you know getting shows like right when you started
1: that's a really good question I actually don't. Was know. it just like a? I think like I think like Battle of the Band. Like back in the day, this, this data might be a little bit dated. Yeah. Um. But back in the day, when Greenwood was around, it was when AA shows were still very much alive and still very much a common thing. Mm. Um. And so, it was pretty easy to get like. <clears throat> pardon me.
0: <clears throat> Tasty.
1: It was pretty easy. To, yeah. It was pretty easy to get like. Freezer shows, like a lot of them were yep. freezer shows that were put on, um, and so we got a handful of them from memory, and that's where like those shows kind of came from. The mm. only one that wasn't a freezer show was the Ival, El- like, yeah, the Ival Elegist show, and that was put on by a New South Wales booker, um, but I can't remember how that went. Would it just be so someone was-
0: hitting up your Facebook page or something like that, surely?
1: Uh, no, I think we applied for it. Yeah. I think we... Yeah, we, we literally just applied for every show under the sun because, like, that's what we knew was the way to go back then. My yeah. opinion on that has since changed, obviously, and I think a lot of people's opinions have since changed from yeah. that. But to um, apply
0: for a show, you just, you know, find out who was the booker for, like, some yeah. poster and then just send them an email being be like, hey, this is me.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Look at me. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, that, and, that's, hey, and, me and that's still kind of the, the formula nowadays as well. It's just, like, you want to be involved, you know, you just got to find out who's running it and get in their ears. But um, yeah. that, that's cool. So from finishing up with uh, Attack of the Greenwood, uh, what was the next big disaster which you were so <laughs> hyping up for me? Oh, fuck.
1: I've repressed a lot of this shit. Um, <laughs> um, no, so the next, the next band that I had was um, a band called, well, we first started off as Grave Markings. Um, And I actually... Yeah, I do remember how that band came about. Um, The bassist of that band, um, or at least the first bassist of that band, um, he filled in for Greenwood one time, and I really got along with him really, really, really well, or at least at the start. Um, And so... Yeah, we started that band, and not long after I started that band, Like, we were doing a lot more stuff that I was, again, into at the time, which is a lot more um, literally looking at my sworn-in flag right now, thinking, good God. Um, but a lot of stuff <laughs> like sworn-in, death card, like start-end, um, I think barrier came into it at some point. But a lot of that, like, yeah, vi- what am I talking about? Villains or Youth Forever as yeah. well. They like A lot of those bands were a huge, huge, huge influence um, yeah. on the writing process for for Grave Markings. And so... And yeah, that vibe kind of ended with, yeah. up carrying
0: across to the first Gloom record then, hey? Like is that? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah it did.
1: Okay. Um, I think very much more start-end... Mm. Sorry, not start-end. Um, the Love is the Devil carried a crossover into Gloom. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Yeah, so Grave Markings started off, we played a few shows... Um, We play... The most notable show that I can remember from the Grave Markings era was the one that we played with Alpha Wolf and Athena's Wake at Phoenix Youth Centre. And that's because at the time, I had been dying to play Phoenix Youth Centre, despite the fact there was only like 40 people there. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, we played with... uh, You know where this is going. Yeah. And we played played with Alpha Wolf when John was still on vocals, that that long ago. And... Reese, our vocalist of the band, bless him, bless his soul, um, he was in another band at the time as well who were just kind of on their way out, and they were called To The Gallows. Mm-hmm. And To The Gallows used to cover Recreant because they ha- used to have two vocalists. Yeah. And so we decided that we were going to do that too for a little bit of fun. And I'm sure you've seen the video because it's still up there on fucking YouTube. It was just... It was a disaster. Like nothing, nothing went right. Like it was so, so bad. I think we played the song like almost two times as fast as what it should have been played, and it's one of the most disliked videos that I've seen of mine that I've ever seen. Um, Hell yeah! I but yeah, I've that was a real this, I'm definitely
0: rake. googling this after. Oh, okay. Ray Ray I'll link
1: Markings you it. Recreants. Like you know the you know the tempo for. Like, have you ever listened to Recreant before by Chelsea yeah. Grin? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like. Like you know how it starts, kind of like down, like that kind of slow. We started it off as and I'm like, oh no, and it's and it was. This is a time before backing tracks and and click tracks. Correct. Oh yeah, no, we had. Well, there's another issue that we had in in grave markings as well is that we could never, ever get The backing tracks and clicks right, no matter oh, what that, we did. That, that
0: sounds awfully familiar to current day. No, we're very, I mean, okay,
1: it, yeah, okay. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not gonna say current I to say, day. I was, I was gonna more, more, I was gonna say um... how well, yeah, with gloom, uh, yeah, but like a lot of the stuff, sorry, and a lot of as of as per a lot of stuff with gloom
0: earlier on, not so much 50 nowadays. percent
1: of the time, yeah, 50, uh, yeah, now we've definitely sorted out shit, especially since we've got Paul in. Yeah. Um, but I reckon 50% of the time, it actually just came down to bad luck, more than anything else. Mm. Um, laptop shitting but itself But yeah, on the there day. was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. iPod shitting itself on the day, something along the lines shitting itself on the day, uh, clicks not being loud enough for the drummer, because um, their drummer used to hit real... Like, sorry, our drummer used to hit real fucking hard. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I think... Yeah, so we were grave markings for a decent amount of time up until about August. Um, and so from there, we got a new vocalist because Reese, uh, Reese, had, Reese, at, Reese had recently, at the time, um, taken up a new job as a chef, and he was an apprentice chef. and They that, absolutely fuck you with ours. Yeah, they absolutely fuck you. Um, mm. And so he just didn't have time. And it's not the fact that we wanted to kick Reese... Um, I mean, but well, like, actually, the, no, yeah, the band will have like priorities. Like a time, yeah. Yeah, okay. the band will have priorities. And like, on top of that, it was a super stressful time for me as well because I was in year 12. Mm. Um, so I had a lot of pressure on me to do well as well. Um, so, yeah, like that whole situation was just like a big kind of disaster. And then I can't even remember what the first spat of beef was. Uh, yeah, I legitimately don't remember. Um but something kicked up. I
0: mean probably irrelevant now.
1: Yeah, no, it was something su yeah, it was something super dumb and like something super out of super, something super out of proportion. I can't even fucking remember what it is. Mm. I wasn't rela- like, it wasn't actually related to me per se. It was to I think from memory, I think it was to do with somebody else in the band. Yeah. But i not But there can't was some kind was. of
0: bullshit and who left the band? Was it Reese or was it someone else
1: yeah Reese. yeah Reese left and we got a new vocalist yeah um and yeah I can't remember yeah look obviously it doesn't matter um it was just really petty shit but yeah so that kicked up a fuss and we rebranded to Despised and I think we were looking to rebrand at some point anyway yo are we there? The you there I've dropped you I've lost you for a oh, sec oh really <laughs> One, two, <three. laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake <laughs> It's, it's out by oh, a bit, enough. Enough. isn't Because is for me, bit, yeah.
0: that was perfectly in
1: time, but for us, that'll be weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Fuck it, we'll just roll from here. So, uh, where was I? So, yeah, so we, we had a bit of a controversy. I can't remember what the controversy was, but it made us end up changing our name and rebranding. Um, And so we rebranded to Despised, and I don't, like... To be fair, Grave Markings had a fair few decent shows as well. We were super shit live, um, but we had a, like, we still had a fair few decent shows come our way, um, that kind of thing. I can't, I, yeah, I can't remember, like, with who besides the Alpha Wolf one, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I think we did another Alpha Wolf one when we were, yeah, we had one later on when we were despised as well, um, so, yeah, we switched over to Despise, and I think we dropped a single, um, and then we played, yeah, we played another show with Alpha Wolf, um, at the Nong Band booth. Yeah. Yep. Nong Band booth, um, which was Honest Crooks, uh, shit, who else? Honest Crooks, Alpha Wolf, uh, sh- a whole heap of other really cool bands, but I can't remember who they are off the top of my head. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, but after that, after, like, we started, like, I started writing and et cetera. Like, I, to be fair, I was, well, sorry, to be fair to the other members of the band, I was super, super controlling during that period. And it's because I was, sorry, not an excuse, but it's because I was super, super stressed out because of year yeah. 12. Like, as uh, I I had mean, a like I mean, like, I don't think anyone can me. hold any yeah. of
0: that shit against you. You were 18 years old, like, still figuring your shit out. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not, Yeah, I don't think anyone oh, anyone Oh, no, look,
1: some, some of it, like, some of it I'm like, yeah, I was an absolute... I have said this to mm. multiple people, like, yeah, I was a cunt in that band. Like, mm. I take... Like, if anybody thought I was a cunt or was anything along those lines during that time frame, I do not blame them. Yeah, it's um, fair play. Yeah, like, yeah, legitimately, like, fair play. Like, I reflected uh, back after that and, yeah. So, basically, the problem was as well is that, again, I was primarily the sole songwriter and nobody really chimed in anything either. Um, So the problem was as well as that uh, the vocalist at the time, like he blew out and stuff like that super, super quick. So when it came to actually tracking and all that jazz, like we just wouldn't get anything done. Meanwhile, Mm. I'd written like an EP I'd written like half of the fucking next record that we were going to do afterwards, that kind of thing. Um, And eventually it came to a point where I was obviously being too much of a cunt and I got kicked. And from there was where I started Gloom and joined Scourge as well. So apparently what happened after that was I got kicked. Uh, I gave the EP to the vocalist at the time because I was, I was friends with him. Like, I'd been lifelong friends with the dude. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got him in the band. Um, and that's how I met Matt as well, actually. Mm. Um, and, yeah, from there, like, they had the EP for two weeks and then apparently the vocalist accidentally deleted the EP without any way of being able to get it back. <laughs> and they had a huge internal, like, they had a huge internal struggle and then they broke up from there and it was like it exploded <laughs> across the pages like it just fucking went off and There's i remember beef everywhere like, yeah and i remember as well at some point someone in the band i a can't remember who b probably wouldn't say anyway started beef with someone in the scene someone fairly high up in the <laughs> scene oh nice or they started beef it's, it's somewhere along the lines and then one of the other old members asked me to chime in and I said no and that kicked the beef even further apparently because I didn't want to chime in or the beef between like, oh, internally man. between the members. That is such a Melbourne further. thing. Yeah, it was like do <laughs> like, 2015, 2016 for Melbourne beef, like people think like... Like obviously everything coming out nowadays is horrible, but like everybody yeah. thinks that like all the beef so or, much more the, petty. or the goss that so comes out petty. it was so much more petty. Yeah, like at least at least so nowadays bad. the
0: outrage is like, you know, pretty well justified. <laughs> oh, the outrage is a
1: hundred and ten percent justified. Yeah.
0: Um, back then though, it was just like, bro, you fucking talk to my girlfriend. Fuck you, bro.
1: Yep, no, it was legitimately that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good shit, man. Well, I also, I wonder, so this is like kind of coming to the end of that, that chapter of like everything before what you're doing now. I want to kind of talk about production as well, because I know production is a big part of like what you do creatively. And um, whereabouts did that start in this whole anthology? Like, I know you would have been recorded with Attack of the Greenwoods. So I'm going to guess you kind of. Intrigue began there, or maybe earlier. Yeah. Where did, where did that come I, from? I think re- I,
1: yeah. So, I mean, originally, like, I did do a couple of demos with Infectionate. We borrowed, um, uh, yeah, our vocalist slash drummer of Attack of Greenwoods, uh, Mac, to do it through Garage Band. Um, hell yeah, bro. <laughs> hell yeah, brother. Where every good band starts. Um, no, no, so, my yeah, we recorded band, we like that. We did uh, yeah. Loops. <laughs> that's that's a godsend. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Matt still uses Ableton, the prick. Oh my, um, disgusting. <laughs> I know. I fucking hate him for it. He sent me a session and I'm just like, I can't use this. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I started recording like demos and stuff like that. Now that shit. And that's when I was like, okay, we need to go to somebody properly for this when I joined Attack at Greenwood or when I started Attack at Greenwood. Um, and so... From me, like kind of learning with Chris and etc. along the way, because we did the a few tracks with Chris and an EP. I kind of like picked up some stuff, so I could. I said to Chris, like, you know, I want to learn how to record from home, etc. That kind of thing. What should I do? He's like, use Reaper. Um, and here we are today. So, the man was not wrong. The man's was not wrong. Fuck yeah, Reaper gang, fuck Pro Tools. Reaper gang, fuck Pro Tools. Fuck Ableton. Fuck, fuck Logic. Logic. <laughs> Reaper gang, despite the fact that you crash and don't fucking save the auto save occasionally, I don't fucking care. Fuck Pro Tools. Um, anyway, <laughs> still crashes less than Pro Tools. Come at me. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so like from there was kind of like where I started like recording from home, et cetera, And then when we did the grave marking stuff was when um grave the first grave markings EP that never ever got released besides one song, um, we recorded with. Alex from a band called Earth Ender. For, pe- for people who don't know who Earth Ender are, they were Lockie from Alpha Wolf's previous band. Um, And they were this hard-as-nails sugar slash Crowbar-influenced fucking metalcore band. I highly recommend you check them out. Yeah, very sick. Not, not enough people gave a anymore. shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that as well, like, they just took forever to do anything. Like, I remember when we recorded with Alex, he was working on... um the King Collider stuff back then. And like I, we even got Lockie on a fucking song at some point as well. Um, yeah, sorry. So we released two grave marking songs. One of them was the one with Lockie and the other one was, um, so yeah. Yeah. So from like, just from learning with Alex as well, he used pro tools, unfortunately. Mm. Um, from there, like, I kind of just learned, like, how to do it myself, watch tutorials, that kind of thing. Didn't have a proper setup or anything. I didn't have a proper setup, at least until we started recording either Fear Me or Homecoming, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but it was just kind of like, yeah, no, it was definitely Fear Me. It was definitely Fear Me. I had a proper setup. Um, but your entire learning quote, process along yeah. the way
0: is kind of just, like, learning from people that you've worked with, pretty much.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then from there, after I started Gloom, I actually took an audio engineering course at RMIT. And so I learned, you know, all about compression, um, mm. et cetera, that kind of thing. Forgot half of it, relearned yeah. it again later on. Um,
0: How you, do you feel about that time at RMIT? Was that, was that worth it, do you, do you think?
1: Yes and no. Uh, yes for the aspect of it taught me a lot of things about production that I was either too scared to ask mates about and etc um or you know stuff I just didn't take into consideration when it came into recording um as, as far as like and so I just like to reiterate as well that was the first year the second year in my opinion repeat of the first year just more money and it was more on like, as in <laughs> passing the buck to you. Yeah. Um, also, like, I've, I've met some of my best friends through RMIT. Like, um, yeah. you've met Will before, obviously. Yeah. yeah so that's where you so, met him. Yeah, that's where I met Will. Um, so, yeah, like, I, like, I've made a lot of friends through that process, um, a lot of lifelong friends and et cetera, But But, like, as far as engineering and stuff goes, like, a lot of that I still very much learned myself because, as you can probably guess, at RMIT, they're not going to teach you how to record metal. Yeah. Um, so, for, for people from, of from it, this yeah. world, would you recommend them to
0: go to somewhere like RMIT or would you recommend something else?
1: Out of all of them, I would definitely recommend RMIT um, compared to JMC, Colart's which is feels like a bit of a betrayal considering that I'm on the fucking Co-Arts yeah. poster.
0: I love that. I love that. I see it all the time I'll, and I
1: just laugh. I'll get man. to that. I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, JMC, Co-Arts, SAE, like, all those things, like, they mm. are really... Every person that I've talked to who went to those schools, with the exception of kind of Co-Arts, has all come back and said that wasn't worth it. Okay. Um, whereas RMIT... like was. I actually got and Yeah. Scotty, like, Scotty E, Scotty from Alpha Wolf also went to RMIT, Mm. Um, and that's where he learned how to use Pro Tools, which, again, I also had to learn how to use Pro Tools. I didn't fucking like it, but alas. Her Disgusting. Her Actually, to be fair, to be fair to Pro Tools, I implemented a lot of, like, shortcuts and et cetera from Pro Tools into Reaper. Yeah, with that that one plug-in or whatever
0: that just, like, takes all the shortcuts and just slaps them onto Reaper. Have you had... I can't remember what it's SWS. called. It's, SWS. SWS, yeah. SWS Extensions, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking tight. <laughs> I love tight.
1: SWS. I haven't, I, I've had it for years, but I've never actually fully, like, gone into it until, like, recently since ISO. And mm-hmm. I was listening there, like, this is all sick. Why haven't I been using this before? This would be so much more efficient. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, unfortunately, there were some things that I really only found out until kind of recently because, obviously, Pro Tools has a way of, like, Side chaining and etc. and Reaper's way of side chaining is super super fucking convoluted and super super shitty. And yeah. so I never learned how to do any of that stuff. Kind of like along the way. Um, but That's yeah, like there probably, probably is like a yeah. really
0: sick way of doing it that you just haven't figured out yet. Because there's like so much. Oh no, I figured shit. it out. Yeah, I oh, know,
1: I figured it out. Yeah, you have to like. I didn't realize that you could change. Like, this is going to sound really fucking stupid, but if I open up the routing, um. Where it says add new send, if you send that to another track and put the output from said track as 3 and 4, that will make it an auxiliary track. <laughs> and then you have to reset up everything as well and you have to do it all manually instead of being able to just do it on the fly like in Pro Tools. Yeah. And I've said this to people as well. If it wasn't for the fact that Pro Tools had fucking shifted to a yearly subscription, I would probably be using Pro Tools for mixing and mastering and Reaper for tracking and editing. Because I'm just I know Reaper more or, yeah. or less like the back of my hand. Mm. And to quote robots, hey, that's new. Um <laughs> because I'm always learning new shit as I go with Reaper. Um, despite the fact that I've used it for 10,000 hours or some shit like that, I think the only person that I know who has used, sorry, who has more hours on Reaper clocked than me is Paul. Um, but that's because he hasn't changed laptops in six years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, still still in demo period? He's still in. Into- yeah, fucking ho, dude. Oh, start man. evaluating, fucking ho. I've actually, I've been saying this for years as well. I've been meaning to buy Reaper because I feel really bad at the fact that I've clocked up like I don't know ten thousand hours overall in the past like five or six There's years. The developers are just like record. they're just like
0: looking at like you and their Excel spreadsheet that updates every week of how many hours certain users have, and just at the top of the leaderboard, and single teardrops in their eye. <laughs> I just see
1: Paul Mosolino. <laughs> There's probably some dude out there who's clocked like an obscene amount of hours probably though. Like, Pure for them, purely for the flex. Purely um, for the flex. But yeah, so from there was more or less uh, how I got into audio engineering. So like I learned mm. along the way from producers that I'd worked with in the past with Attack at Greenwood and mm. Grave Markings. Um, And then from there, like I kind of started doing it myself, went to RMIT, mm. did fear me, realized, Hey, we should probably let other people do the gloom records. <laughs>
0: Uh, all so, right, cool. yeah. Let, well, let's jump into that. So, we're at the end of all of your, like, past projects. We're uh, up to gloom, which is, like, you know, the more current stuff. Um, so, production-wise, you hadn't done any real projects prior to then, really? It was mostly, like, learning and doing some DIY shit and trying to figure out, you know, how it all kind of worked?
1: Yeah, so I did... Actually, I did do one thing before... Um... I did do one thing before I started doing Gloom stuff, and that was the one despised single that we did, um, which had Darius from Spite on it. And I'm pretty sure that was one of his first features. Um, <laughs> weird flex. Yeah, it is a weird flex, but it is. It, fucking That's sick, that though. Feature, That's right? actually it was sick. so sick. Um, I still rate that song. However, um, yeah, like, yeah, so I start, yeah started doing Gloom stuff and. Sorry, what was the question? I've kind of just sent me blank at the moment. Yeah, just seeing what other like
0: that. Just to <laughs> yeah. confirm, like what kind of production work? What was like the peak of the production work you'd done up to that point?
1: Oh yeah, so it was very much that so single, very much more so. Yeah, that single. Um, the first version of the funeral as well when gloom dropped when it was originally just an EDM side project. Yeah. Um, and if you remember, blood knuckles as well.
0: Blood knuckles, yeah.
1: Blood knuckles, um. So, yeah, like I did all the engineering and stuff like for that. And then from there, um, that was kind of like the peak. And then from the entire Fear Me cycle um, all the way through to the instrumentals for Homecoming, I engineered everything.
0: Cool. So, you recorded all your own tracks and just sent that off for mixing and mastering, yeah? Yep. Yep. Cool. So, let's start talking about Gloom. So, tell me how did Gloom start... Um, and how did it evolve into like the first lineup?
1: So, uh, yeah, as I just said before, Gloom originally started as a EDM side project. I was already kind of starting another band at that point with a few people. Um, but I couldn't lock anything down. Um, and you were still on Scourge and- as well, weren't you? No, no, no. So I joined Scourge a little bit later. Um... Yeah, so I joined Scourge a little bit later and Gloom eventually, like, like, I started doing the EDM stuff and it was super, super fun for the hot minute that it was, but I felt like that I wanted to do something heavy, like actual myself heavy. Um, and I didn't want to be on guitar in it, not after everything that happened with Despised because basically it had left, and I mean this with no offence to the previous vocalist at all. It left a foul taste in my mouth where I was like, if somebody's going to do the vocals, I want it to be me because I know what I want to put on the songs. And that was a very narcissistic way of thinking about it because I, like, I'd I, done backing screams and occasionally stuff like that for um, mm. Grave Markings and Despised before. Yeah. I didn't realise how fucking hard it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, to, and- to, be,
0: to be fair though, like... As as a creative, like, you kind of figured out early on that you're the kind of guy that likes to, like, you know, kind of deliver on a vision that you have, and when it comes to vocals, like, that's kind of the... I mean, everybody loves riffs, but at the end of the day, no one gives a fuck unless a vocalist is sick and they do the right stuff, and, like, coming from, like, a songwriter perspective, like... You've got a vision of the way that it needs to be done. And I'm guilty of this too. It's like it needs to be the way that you have it in your head. Otherwise, it's not right. And it's going to piss you off any other way. Yeah.
1: Yep. Correct. Um, So, yeah, that's where that kind of stemmed from. And I'd already done the clean vocals for uh, the funeral and everything. Because as said, at that point, it was originally just going to be a side project. Hmm. Um, And, yeah. And then, like, I started taking it more seriously. um, And I hit up Matt who's our guitarist, for people who don't know. And I uh, knew him through uh, the despised vocalist's old band. They were called Alias Arise. You should definitely check them out on YouTube and clock up them numbers um, if you want to see 16-year-old Matt with a fucking fringe. Hell um, yeah. Yeah, brother, it was sick. <laughs> um, yeah, and then from there, we got uh, Alias Arise's vocalist's um, as our guitarist, Jaya, and we got Nick on drums and we got our old bass player who was also Michael. Um, And from there we had, like, our first formation. Me and Matt primarily did most of the writing. Um, I kind of, like, Matt was very much more, like, because Matt was amazed, stupidly, at what I did at the time. (laughs) No, no, Matt was, Matt's always been, like, uh, Matt's always been super supportive of my writing and the way that I do things, et cetera. Mm. And of course he's very much more comfortable to turn around and say, no, this is shit. I don't want it to be this. Yeah. Um, so, but like, of course, like he's always been super in- incredibly amazed at my writing, which sounds super, super, super narcissistic, but I don't know. Well, that, that's, that's cool. cool. You, you, you finally
0: um, come across someone who you are able to gel with on a creative level
1: that understood what you're going for. So that's, I think that's really important. Correct. Um, and that is, it's a very important thing to have in a band. Um, And so, yeah, from there, uh, I started writing with Matt. I took a couple of old despised songs. I took a couple of songs from the band that I was working on at the time. Um, And, yeah, I basically, like, we started writing out what was the first version of Fear Me. Um, And so, we did the first version of Oxy, which came out through Chugcore.
0: Yeah, your nets dropped again. Yeah. Net's dropped again.
1: Is it back? Is it back now? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. There we go. Sorry. My dad just called me. Um,
0: and that on. cuts out the network connection, but yeah, I've, I've yeah. had that same thing. Um, uh, you were just saying from when you started recording Fear Me, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, what was I saying? So, yeah. I started doing like all the production stuff for Fear Me, um, that kind of thing. I did like all the vocals. I did everything for um, Oxy. We did the first version of Oxy and then we did Blood Knuckles as well. And then later on down the line, I think we started getting to around like, yeah, because after we did Oxy was around the time that I joined Scourge yep. on guitar. And when you say um, did Oxy, is that recording it or putting it out? Oh, sorry. Put out Oxy, I think.
0: Yeah. But before, before we move forward now. Yeah i I heard a rumor that there may exist a music video for
1: oxymoron would i would I be correct yeah unfortunately <laughs> 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 no, no 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 to be fair like I think uh the dude who shot it it was like his one of his first music videos that he ever yep. did and we didn't know what we wanted out of a music video. We didn't know what we were doing. Anything that kind of thing. And it wasn't until like he shot it for thirty bucks, I think. Mm. And that was that was actually a really good thing that happened. That Oxy video was a really, really, really good thing that happened because that was the first time that we ever all collectively got together as a band. In the same we room, we all talked yeah. online. Yeah, in the same room, and yeah, like because that was as I said that was the first time that we ever actually came together we'd all talked online and everything beforehand and I'd met Nick before and I'd met Jai before um and I think I'd met Michael before but together as a group that was the first time we all collectively came together I actually have a Um, funny
0: story it is almost an exact mirror of that one but I can tell you about it oh really yeah yeah it's almost exactly the same with like this current project that I've I've got on the go but um yeah
1: um so yeah from yeah, we, we did the Oxy video and it just did not come out the way that we wanted. But that's where the, um, um, yeah. the, the
0: original art for... I, I think it was Oxy or Jay, one or the other. The original art with like you with the, like whatever, with your hair down yes. or whatever. That's where that came from, isn't it?
1: Yep. That yeah, was cool. me with hair. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you with hair. <laughs> Once upon yep, a that time. That was me with hair. Once upon a time. All covered in blood and Some shit Some trivia
0: like out for the fans.
1: Yeah. Um... And yeah, and that was when it was originally. When Fear Me was originally still an EP called Blood Eyed, mm-hmm. which I just recently rediscovered when going back through my old files. Um, <laughs> so, sure. yeah. And then, yeah, as I said, like. Sure, so you I put out Oxy, the jumped into Scourge. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And Gloom's first show was a favour that I asked from. Um, Liam, who was the guitarist of Scourge, uh, they've just started a new version of, sorry, not a new version of Scourge. Liam started a new band called Depressant, um, mm. who dropped their first single the other day. Um. Yeah, really sick. Yeah, it is sick. They've been waiting on that stuff a fucking long time too. Like, I remember Liam showing me the demos for that stuff like two or three years ago now. Yeah, um, fuck. so it's been a long time, but yeah, so I joined Scourge and Gloom's first show was a, as I said, was a favour and was part of um, the Ultimate Tour package, which was The Sign of Four and Scourge with openers for every state. So Melbourne did, sorry, so, so Gloom did the Melbourne show um, and that was our first show. And what made it even more sick was that we had Danny from The Sign of Four on Jay so yep. he actually, the one time that Danny has actually gotten up and done his fucking part was our first ever show, and That's it's still so on sick. YouTube somewhere. Yeah, and he's such an insane fucking vocalist. He's such an insane fucking vocalist. Like when I switched up my style for screams in during Homecoming, like my style was a mirror repl- replication of what Danny does and like what Mike Karanika from the Devil Wears Prada does, because mm. um, I just really wanted to be able to stuff like Danny because he was such an insane vocal inspiration for me at the time. Mm. Um but yeah. And then from there we had a few more shows. Um I'm trying to remember what came next in the gloom timeline. Ha <laughs> ha. Um yeah, so yeah, basically throughout that entire process, um I was kind of like recording all the stuff, getting all the stuff for um Fear me because at that, yeah. By the time Jay came out, it was when it had turned into Fear Me and it was going to be a full length. And yeah, so from there, I like programmed everything, did everything, recorded everything, engineered everything. The only thing on that record that wasn't me was the guitar solo in Mud. Mm. Um, and Matt came in and recorded that as far as bass and everything like that goes. Uh, Michael didn't have a good enough bass that we could record with. So you press the du like, do button on MIDI. I pressed the do do button on MIDI. Yeah. Um. Same thing with the drums. Uh. Like. N- n- sorry, with the drums more so. It wasn't that Nick's playing wasn't up to scratch. It was that we just couldn't afford to fucking record li- like live drums. Yeah, so. No, still do We still can't afford to record live drums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, like um, at the
0: end of the day, yeah. to achieve what you guys like, are looking to achieve with your music. You don't need real drums, I don't think, to, to like... I mean, it is, like, it is an additional layer, I guess, you can you can add to it, but the the song's still fucking rip, like, with the programmed drums, like, from a listener perspective, at least.
1: I think it's very dependent on the drummer, at the end of the day. I think if your drummer is... And I'm not saying Nick is this at all, because Nick actually comes up with some really fucking sick fills, but he's also just happy to program them... If your drummer can, like, if your drummer is fucking what's his face from Stray From The Path, Craig Reynolds, or if your drummer's like Dan Seal or um, who's another? Uh, Matt McKinnon is the most local person that I can think of. If your drummer's like Matt from uh, Slowburn or used to be Passerby, then you should be recording live drums because that cunt's fucking insane. Like, I remember mm-hmm. watching Passerby mm-hmm. and going, like, whoa, what the fuck? This is tighter than Counterparts. Yeah. Or, like, because they have some very like stylistically similar drum kind of yeah. patterns. And I was just like, this is better than Counterparts. Um, but yeah. So yeah, like, I recorded everything, programmed everything. There was a lot of back and forth um, just because I super, super ADHD, just kept changing stuff. Um, Grim Sleeper originally came after Epilogue of a Dead Man um, instead of 25-9 being at the end. Uh, Grim Sleeper was originally meant to be the bonus track and then we swapped it. We were still figuring out stuff with Chug Core and getting all of that organized. Um eventually we came like cuz I was talking to Ethan who was the um, the rep at Chug Core at the time um and he got everything organized for us and all that jazz. Um and we put it out on September 25th or 25/9. Um so that's where the so, name came from as well. That was originally like 25 eight, twenty 7 <laughs> That name went through a lot of changes, and that's also why I had to keep on updating stuff yeah. um, because that's why we also promised ourselves after Homecoming that we weren't going to fucking lock into that because doing that twice was a nightmare. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I pretty much programmed everything up to that point, and um, Jeremy from Conform over in Perth was the one who mixed and mastered all of it. Uh, Jerry from Vengeance or previously Honest Crooks at the time, um, he also did vocals and got it back to me a day before Fear Me was released. Fuck yep. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That was so sick. I like, was such a, <laughs> no, sorry, we got it back a couple of days before that, but Jez didn't get back the final bounce of Mud, um, until then. And that's why the first pressing of Chugcore CDs don't have Jerry's vocals on them. That's Which a fun
0: little fact there.
1: Yeah, it has the original out version there. of mud. All you collectors out there who have the one to tw- who have the one to one twenty-five of Fear Me from Chugcore in twenty sixteen, Jerry's vocals ain't on mud. So, so how yeah. did
0: how did that that deal with Chugcore come about? Did you guys reach out? Did they reach out to you? How did that come about?
1: <laughs> I do remember how that came about. Um, it came about because I was friends with Ethan. Um, Ethan was one of the main promote. Like, this is back when Chug Hall was really, really big, um, mm. and Ethan ran a lot of the artists and everything who came through that channel. Um, he, when Grave Markings dropped Glass Body, we switched... I'm pretty sure I have the hoodie still somewhere, actually. We switched our logo over to um, a symbol of death which came from an African culture. I can't remember which one, but it was like... I th- I just remember googling the symbol for death, and that was the one that came up. Yeah, this one looks cool. I'll put that in a shirt. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That we was, was like, oh, that one was fucking sick. We'll put that. We'll make it like because we had that whole sworn in thing where we all wanted to yeah. have like our own symbols and etc. That whole gimmick. Um, and so yeah, we did that, and we announced grave markings and like changed our banner, Facebook profile picture, etc. Like all the way down the line with that. Um, and changed it to stuff with that logo, and Ethan hit me up. Um, this was before I was even friends with him, at that point. He's like, hey, like, dude, I just wanted like, to let you know, sorry, I'm one of the dudes at Chug and one of the bands uh, are about to release a new single, who are also using that logo. And I'm like, shit, whose is coming first? <laughs> and he was like, ah, oh, I think you guys is coming first, but if you don't mind, like, considering that you're in Australia, um, we're in America... Like, that kind of thing. Like, do you mind if we use it or not? And I was like, yeah, sure, and no, I'll go for it. Because at that point, there wasn't, like... I think, like, people jumping on top of each other for copying a band's image and et cetera um, wasn't as, like, internationally recognised, yep. if that makes sense. Um, like, but, sorry, people don't draw international comparisons. Yeah, yeah. Um, or didn't draw international comparisons like they did back then. So I was like, yeah, sure, fair enough. Um, and that's also why we went with the sworn-in image, I mean, mm. Wolf for doing it too, but um, we also did it from Sworn In, and so yeah, and that's how I became friends with Ethan. And I stuck around, like you know, talked to Ethan quite a bit. He did the one despised single that came out through Chugcore,
0: um, and so it was just a matter of you being like, "Hey man, this is my new project. This is what we're doing," and he was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah,
1: yeah let's do it." Yeah, and he was. I was like, "Yo, here's Oxy," or well, I sent him like a, a decent amount of the songs. And I think, I think it did end up being Oxy, and I was like, yo, do you like this? And he's like, yeah, I fucking love this. This is fucking sick. Um, I mean, Oxy's just a he, fucking
0: banger, though, from start to finish, man. So that was like, yeah, it, for Oxy. any song you are going to send across, like, he would have he been like, yeah, okay, fuck yeah, yeah, let's go.
1: Fun fact. Fun fact for y'all as well. Um, I've been working on the Fear Reimagined project recently, which I'll send to you because you've been a fucking mm. long-time friend and a long-time fan, and... The old Oxy Mosh call is back.
0: Oh, yeah, boys, let's go. <laughs> I'm keen as, I'm keen as. Cool. So, I want to yeah. talk a little bit in depth about vocals as well before we move on to, like, um, the next record. Um, mm-hmm. So, prior to um, Gloom, you were only ever doing backing vocals. Uh, first of all, what inspired you to... Um, Oh no! We already talked about this. What inspired you yeah. vocals? It's like not. I'm like, this is the question I have in front of me is on the what paper. It comes down to <laughs> the question I have in front of me on the paper is like, oh, what inspired? Yeah, I've already yeah. answered that. Yeah, cool. So that was obviously the inspiration. Was you know you, you had a certain vision you want to deliver it. Um, how did you get started doing
1: vocals? And how old were you? For clean vocals, I always sang. Yep. Um. Like, I've always just been singing, whether it be in tune or out of tune. Um, <laughs> and that very much came from, yeah, like I said, rocking around in my bedroom when I was between the ages of eight and 10, singing along to Fall Out Boy and Green Day. Um, mm. And that's where I kind of did my thing, did the same thing with My Um And so that's where I kind of learned to sing. And then I, you know, I did clean vocals and other stuff in, pardon me, in Infection 8. Um, and. I did all the clean vocals and etc. in Attack of at Greenwood as well. Yep. So clean vocals had always very much been my thing. And it wasn't, very, it wasn't until the very, 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 very end of uh, the Attack of at Greenwood cycle um, that I started at least approaching Screams. But you never um, really had
0: any formal training. It was just like you just jamming yep. it out and just picking up the skills on the, on the go kind of thing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I yeah. think, yeah, I think I picked up skills in a couple of, like, warm-up shit along the way. Oh, no, that was when I was in Gloom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so literally that, like, zero yeah.
0: technique until until Gloom. Yeah, oh, literally yeah.
1: zero technique until Gloom. Um, and you can definitely hear it on the first Gloom record. That's why I hate Fear Um, But, yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, up until Gloom, like, no formal training or anything. Like, it was yeah. basically, like... Like repart, just going off what I knew from the back of my hand. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was about That's the cool. extent
0: of it. And then, and then, uh, you know, you're at the end of attacking Greenwood, and you start to learn how to scream. For you, how did you? How did you do that? How did you learn? Did you jump on YouTube? Like, what, what was what was your kind of introduction to making weird
1: fucking yelling noises that some people seem to like? In the most generic. Metal vocalist response, I just screamed. Like, (laughs) yeah, like, yeah, legitimately, like, that's just, that's legitimately what it came down to. It was just that, like, because I tried doing the whole fry thing, um, which I didn't do until at least homecoming. Um, Mm. but like, I tried doing that and I just couldn't get a voice that I wanted. And I really wanted to be Tyler Dennen from Sworn In. And so I didn't do that, but I did like my own Aussie variation of it, which was really, really, really shit. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, uh, like, yeah, legitimately, man, like, especially for a lot of Femi as well, it was just straight-up false chord or straight-up screaming, like. And that's what made me change over as well. Yeah. Um, Because, as I said, I was, like, blowing out and I was, like, losing my voice and stuff like that, and I knew that I needed to do drastically different. But, again, even when it came to fries, I did all of that myself. I didn't get – I haven't received, like, any – formal proper vocal training at all besides until some of the way through last year. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So you didn't have any resources. You just like kind of fucked around until you figured it out.
1: Yeah. And like, I think a lot of it comes like a lot of it, a lot of metal vocalists have said this as well, is that you can't learn how to scream without learning how to sing. Um, I'm pretty mm. sure you've, you worked with David. Yeah. A
0: little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure he has the very same kind of philosophy. Yeah. Oh, it
0: definitely helps. I think the main thing is like the breathing. Like if you learn how to breathe yep. like a singer, then you can breathe. Disc- I think it's just like having the ability to to properly project your voice in any capacity. Because there's plenty of screamers out there who can't fucking sing at all, but they're sick. Oh so. yeah.
1: But they have the like that they know the basics of kind of singing down and like yeah. when it comes to warming up and etc. What they do. So I think that's more so where that kind of comes from. But I think also as well. Knowing how to sing beforehand definitely helped me.
0: Yeah, 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 sure. So, cool. That that kind of covers off everything I want to talk to you about for the Fear Me cycle. Then we're jumping into Homecoming. So, Homecoming, when did you start writing that? Was that pretty much immediately after Fear Me? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I'm just trying to think now because it it feels like such a fucking long time ago. Mm. Um, So... After I finished, or even halfway through, fucking writing Fear Me, I was writing the next record and what I wanted to do, or at least the first variations of the next record. And I yep. don't mean Homecoming; I mean
0: the, the album that was going to be the homecoming. next.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. Like the next LP. Oh, okay. The ne- like LP two
0: has um, been planned for ages, but it's just not has here yet. been
1: planned since Fear Me dropped, yep. and it has been chopped and changed and etc. Along the way, of course. Um, but, yeah, so what basically happened was we were really good friends with um, Jez in Conform, and I they had a beef go down with a certain band. I'm not name dropping who, but I'm sure if you researched far enough, um, you'll find out who it is. <laughs> and um, I eventually did guest vocals on one of their songs and replaced the vocals from the original version of the song. Um Spicy. 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 So from there, like, we were, like, we were good friends with Jez at that point. um, And so I think it was Jez put forward the idea of, hey, do you want to do a two track? um, Sorry, not two track. Do you want to do a split EP? And I said, yeah. Well, sorry, we said, yeah, sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do that. Um, And so we did. We wrote, well, I'd already kind of written at least the first versions of War. Because mm. I would wanted it to be like a single of some description. Um, and I had also somewhat written Brother, and so from there, we, like, started working on War and Brother quite a bit, I also went along and wrote Rodent, um, and then, like, I'd kind of figured out the, like, as I said, like, I was working on, um, LP2s, the long awaited LP2s story at the same time, um, and I needed, like, to figure out something and I was like okay well Jay the protagonist of uh Fear Me um was like okay let's let's say he has a brother what's who do we call that brother and <laughs> you're just like fuck subplot, subplot 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 along the way how do we how do we do this um and I'm like okay well I've always like like because Gloom originally or at least a story from Gloom always came from me writing my own novels and etc in high school shit um I was just like, okay, cool, I've got Jay, I've got Rachel, I've got um, Thatcher, and I've got, like, all these different other characters. But now, like, that Jay's at the end of Fear Me, um, I don't want to do another Jay EP. I want to, yeah, you know, fo- focus on somebody else, at least for an EP, and because it's like, okay, well, we, have the- we have the world at our fingertips now. Like, we can just literally do whatever the fuck we want. We can make up whatever the fuck we want on the spot. Yeah, you've got a bare I universe can. ready to be filled. Yeah, exactly. I've got a bare universe. I've got a blank canvas that I've only kind of really touched the surface with. Um mm in fear me and so i said okay well let's make let's let's have it that jay has a brother because he originally had a sister and i felt like that that may have been a little bit too close to home because i have a younger sister yeah and so i changed that to um jay having an older brother whose name was ethan who we named after or who i named after um ethan from chug who helped us out with fear me and mm. um helped me out with despise and everything because pretty much and every name- character
0: in gloom is just like Everyone in that universe is based off people that you actually know, right?
1: Yeah, to a certain degree. I think it's based yeah. off like both both people that I know and both, um, you know, obviously big pop culture fictional characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. The actual name, the actual name of the rodent, also came from Ethan because I was texting Ethan one night and he had this big, huge fucking possum get stuck <laughs> in his <laughs> get stuck in his attic. And I shit you not, over the next eight months that I fucking talked to him, he did not get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I always joked about him having this huge oh. fucking rodent in his roof. And so that's where, like, the, the, rodent comes from. the rodent, that's where rodent comes from as well. That's cool. Um. So, yeah. And then, so we started working on War and Brother, and I had done, um, I had done rodent as well. And then... Uh, conform, unfortunately, had to drop out. Of, I think this is the first time I've actually said that it's Conform that dropped out of the two track. So I hope mm. I don't get into trouble here. Yeah, um, I had those I thought those would be the guys. Yeah, and it was Conform that dropped out of the two track, and unfortunately, like it was nothing. Like it was not like it wasn't like a, oh we have to do this song or we have to do that. It was just like they just didn't have the time really to do it. Like yeah. they, were they went off the back. Yeah, they weren't in a position to do it. And I think the songs that they were originally going to use um, ended up. I think they ended up either being on volume one or circa 94. I can't remember. Because I'm pretty sure Cyanide was one of them. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that's that's basically. Yeah, I think it was. They were still working on volume one and they just didn't want to like jump the gun or anything like that. Yeah. That's so cool. um, yeah, they dropped out and we said, okay, well, that's okay. I have rodent brother war I'm like cool that's three tracks and then i wrote no i didn't write witch hunt at that point yeah i didn't write witch hunt at that point um yeah three tracks yeah ready to go, and... yeah i had three tracks ready to go and yeah that was around the time that michael left because he had a lot of outside of band no outside i, I want to say outside of band problems Um, which I'm not going to go into on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure you know quite a bit about it personally, so I don't need to go into it. Mm. Um, But he had a lot of exterior problems that affected him being in the band, and so he left. Um, So, And that was, like, right when we were doing homecoming, pretty much, and getting homecoming organised. And that was when we started actually taking Gloom seriously as well. Like, we had a release plan, we set up interviews kind of thing. Yeah. We did a proper music video. Um, Yeah, so basically what happened as well was Paramore was originally not meant to be a fucking song. Um, We should state that way. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so Paramore was originally not meant to be a song. It was meant... A lot of Paramore's parts were actually originally from... Um, another version of Witch Hunt and the reason why Witch Hunt is Witch Hunt and Paramore is Paramore is because I originally wanted to extend Witch Hunt out to be a full song. So we had four songs, four full songs instead of five or one intro and three full songs. And then Matt was kind of like, Matt had gotten his, his groove at that point. He was happy to tell me to fuck off. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he built up he the was, confidence. <laughs> He built up the confidence to just tell me to fuck off. Um, And so I sent through the original version of um, the Paramore and Witch Hunt mashup. And Matt was like, I really like some bits. And I really like the way that the original version of Witch Hunt goes. So let's keep Witch Hunt as it is. And I'm like, yeah, because I said, like, this is neither here nor there if we do extend Witch Hunt. And he's like, okay, let's keep Witch Hunt how it is. And let's work on this song, which ended up being Paramore. And we originally wanted to do a big whole ass video for war, but it fell through because we didn't have money,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, to do so, that justice would have been fucked man, so probably for the the best.
1: whole plan the whole plan that we had, I'm sure I still have it somewhere, but the whole plan that we had out was just like this, and I think we even then we were aiming for a three k budget. And it was going to be one of Martin's first proper videos as well, because that's that's how we met Martin and everything as well. Mm. Um, and it was just like it was just too much for everybody to handle. And so, very 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 last minute, we shifted it. We shifted War to Paramore, and we made it just a real cool video, which in the long run didn't mm. really do us justice for the story stuff, of course. But like, we still did it. Um, and so that was yeah. when Homecoming slowly released and came out, and Paramore was the announcement of Homecoming because the title, like because it's pretty much like the title track in a way. It's or it's the release date track of Thirteen Six. Um, yep. So yeah. Ah, uh, and then from there we waited a little bit, and we went to go and do War again. <laughs> And didn't. <laughs> and with a week's notice, I feel so bad for Martin for this, but with a week's notice, we changed the script and made it Witch Hunt because Witch Hunt at the time was our most popular song and we're like, as much as yeah. I fucking love war and still back war to the absolute core, that was, yeah, um, I mean, I mean, Witch yeah. Hunt kind of had this Witch like Hunt. cult
0: following. Like, it was put on people's fucking top ten breakdown playlist. Like, all kinds of shit. I, I remember yep. there was that, that one video with like the dancing Asian girls, and that was like popping off as well.
1: Oh, you just Dude, that was deep seated so memory in me. <laughs> 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 the Dude, Korean girls dancing. Oh, I still love that so song good. still as well. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, I, I mean sorry, the only reason why I still love that song, um, is because of the Futurama breakdown in it. And that's probably dude, the extent so of sick. me that's probably the extent of me liking that song. I like playing it live, but as a song I don't actually like it. It was lyrically oh, dude, it was reflective it's, it's, of a it's, it's very, cheesy, very, very it's cheesy ass. It's a novel
0: it's like a yeah. novelty song, but it's so sick. Like it does it does exactly what it's meant to do.
1: Yeah, exactly, and like from a like from a lyrical standpoint as well. I wrote it when I was really, really, really angry with one specific person, mm. and I look back on that now and go, "Fuck! I wish I didn't do that." Because I always said that like all the gloom stuff was ta- was taken from emotion, but there was a few lines in there which are direct fucking drops. And yeah, I mean, for anybody, yeah, it's one of those things you can put two and two together if you knew anything about the situation, which I'm not going to go into. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, yeah, like, I, I, that's the reason why I don't personally like Witch Hunt as a song now. And that's also partially yeah. why we brought back Scarlet from the Dead um, upon the release of the new stuff coming out. Because we're like, well, fuck it, Witch Hunt just became redundant. <laughs> that's kind of like my little fuck you. Um, but, yeah, from there we did the Witch Hunt video. Took forever to get it out. Kind of played shows and et cetera. We were still pretty shit live. And, to be fair, we'd also kind of conned the... We are a Bang. We only play Bang shows band thing as well. Um, and Bang were awesome enough to give us chances and give us some really cool lineups and et cetera as well. Yeah. Well, um, it's
0: interesting <coughs> because I remember I was at the show where you guys recorded the video for Rodin.
1: All right. Now,
0: that's all you're going to get. If you want to hear more, hit to part two. It's going to be out soon if you're watching this straight away. But otherwise, just head over to the next pod. Uh, We'll be closing out with one of Gloom in the Corner's new tracks, this is Violence.